you, Deborah, for showing your love for your Savior and using your gifts and abilities in such a worshipful and passionate way. It's um, always exciting when a guest artist comes and you have no clue what songs they're going to do, and then as the morning goes on, you realize how God orchestrates the service. And uh, she has pointed us towards this amazing truth. Do you really understand, really understand how much God loves you and how much strength and power comes from knowing that love? Let's go to him in prayer. God, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for your incredible love. I pray, God, through your word this morning that you will help us awaken our understanding, touch our hearts afresh with your amazing love and all that is available to us because of your incredible love. God, I pray that you would help me to present the message that you've put on my heart with clarity. I pray that I would speak truthfully, and I pray that I would not get in the way of your work this morning. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank many of you for praying for me over the last few days. Who, If you know me, you know I do not like flying. Actually, do not like is too calm. I hate it. And uh, I signed up to go to a conference in Idaho on disciple making, and I said to my wife, why in the world did I, that was my choice. It means I got to get on a stinking plane. And uh, anyway, we went off, and it went well, and then we hit an air pocket yesterday coming out of Spokane, Washington. Now, I grew up in Africa, and I've been in big potholes, but this was an amazing air pocket, and I'm sitting, and you know when something just hits you, and it's just like, ah, just right in my gut, and I was like, oh, so I looked at the guy on my right to see if I could get any encouragement from him. Well, he was this older gentleman that looked like he was from the way outbacks of Alabama, and he had a beard and glasses, and when I first got on the plane, I said, hi, I'm Calvin, and he just went like this. <laughs> so I knew I wasn't going to get much consolation or comfort from him, so I did what you should do, right? I started to tell myself scripture, do not be anxious in anything. But I was so anxious, I didn't even finish it. I was on to the next one, right? It's just like, do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry, because it's not going to add an hour to your life. And then I was just like, oh, God, I can't wait till this is all done, because I won't have to worry about this in heaven. Then I went, wait a minute. He says we're going to be caught up in the sky, and then we're coming back. And uh, the comfort I got that is I know on Jesus Airways, there's going to be no turbulence. And I guarantee you, the packages of salted almond peanuts are going to be way bigger. And I was able to calm down and sweat it out the rest of the way. But uh, thank you for praying for me. It was an amazing opportunity, really exciting. This church that we, I went to visit, uh, it started in 1998 with three couples who felt God wanted them to plant a church in a city of 10,000 people. After eight years, there's 8,500 members in that church. Isn't that awesome? And you know what it was so cool? was just being with them all week. They're not perfect. They fail. They make tons of mistakes. But they understand the love of Christ that has transformed their lives. And they're committed to telling everyone in their city that he can do the same for you. And so it was just really encouraging and uh, excited to be back here worshiping with you this morning. Well, as you can tell, 
in, in line with my character, we're going to talk about food this morning. But we're going to talk about soul food. You know, I thought Mother's Day is probably the most appropriate Sunday morning to begin a sermon talking about recipes. Now, you're probably thinking, what does he know about recipes and sharing recipes? Well, I haven't shared too many recipes at all with anyone, but I have shown my wife a lot of pictures of delicious food <laughs> that caught my attention and wet my appetite. In fact, just last week, my two daughters, I took them to our family doctor. Natalie had an ear infection and April had a sore tummy, and so we went to see the doctor. And while sitting in the waiting room, the cover of a ladies magazine caught my attention. You see, because on the cover was this amazing picture of a dish of butter chicken. How many of you have had butter chicken before? If you haven't, you got to try it. Signature restaurant in Whitby Highway 2, excellent butter chicken. I saw this picture of butter chicken, and I knew I had to get the recipe for that. So like any proud man waiting in the waiting room, I sent my daughter Natalie to get me the magazine. Because I didn't want to be seen picking up a Chatelaine magazine in front of the guys on either side of me. So she went and got the magazine for me so that I could flip through it to find the recipe that matches that incredible dish. Well, I found it. I found the recipe. In fact, it not only had that one, it had baked mini donuts in it too. So I've got that as well. But I found the recipe, and I was like, yes, I am going to taste and see that this butter chicken is good. So I, taught, I went home, and I was all excited, and I met Jen in the kitchen, and I said, Jen, you got to see this recipe that I found. Here was Jen's response. So you're one of those people. How do you know what I'm going to say, Harley? You're one of those people who rip recipes out of magazines so that when other of us, others of us see it and we go to find it and copy it down, it's gone. How many of you have had that experience? All right. I am the reason for your disappointment. And I'm not sharing this one with you. But I don't feel so bad because I thought, well, that's just similar to some people. Now, I know this wouldn't happen in our church because our church is a tight-knit, close community, right? But I guess what I did is almost like some people, when you go to their house and eat this incredible dish and you ask for the recipe and they say, it's a family secret. Right, Brad and Lucinda Muscle? It's a family secret, right? You're disappointed. You want something so bad, you see the picture of it, and then it's not there. You can't get it. Now, just so you don't go home saying, I can't believe our pastor steals things out of magazines in public places, I had gone to that receptionist a year ago when another picture caught my attention and said, do you mind if I tear this recipe out? And she said, you go ahead anytime you want. You find something you like, take it. So I, this is not stolen property. I have permission. Okay? Well, recently I was reading the Bible and I came across a prayer that caught my attention and wet my spiritual appetite. And this morning, I want to share it with you. One of my favorite authors, Mark Batterson, in his book, Praying Circles Around Your Children, writes this. You don't have to do everything right as a parent, but there is one thing you cannot afford to get wrong, and that one thing is prayer. You will never be a perfect parent, but you can be a praying parent. 
Prayer is your highest privilege as a parent. There is nothing you can do that will have a higher return on your investments. In fact, the dividends are eternal. While I was at the conference this week in one of the morning sessions, one of their staff members, a lady, got up to start the morning session before we had breakfast together. And she was going on to explain about the burden she had for her 26-year-old daughter who had rebelled against God, chosen not to follow his ways, got really mixed up in drugs and alcohol, had two children out of wedlock. And you could just see as this mom was sharing this testimony how much she had wept over her daughter. But she said something which caught my attention. She said, but I never stopped praying because I have hope. See, there's no power in prayer. There's power in the source of our prayer, God. And this mother knew it. And a month ago, her daughter came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, repented, and is now walking in faith and obedience with the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the prayer that that daughter sent to her mom Thursday morning. And I want to read it with you. I have a mother who prays. Some have had kings in their lineage, some to whom honor was paid, not blessed of my ancestors, but I have a mother who prays. I have a mother who prays for me and pleads with the Lord every day for me. Oh, what a difference it makes for me. I have a mother who prays. Some have worldly success and trust in riches they've made. This is my surest asset. I have a mother who prays. My mother's prayers cannot save me. Only mine can avail. But my mother introduced me to someone, someone who never could fail. Oh, yes, I have a mother who prays for me and pleads with the Lord every day for me. Oh, what a difference it makes for me. I have a mother who prays. This morning, my mom was here, and I tell you, she's a prayer warrior. And her mom was the same. And I am so grateful, as many of you should be, that before you were even born, before you even had a name, someone was praying for you. And most likely, it was your mother. And you might be here this morning and say, well, that wasn't the case in my home. I'm a first-generation Christian, and I didn't have anyone praying for me. The fact you're here today, God had strangers that you don't even know were praying for you. We are all here today because people were praying for us. And sometimes we don't do a good enough job of celebrating God's goodness to us. And so this morning, we're going to do something a little different before we continue on in the sermon. But I just felt burden in my heart this morning as I was getting ready. I said, Lord, forgive us for not celebrating that we have had mothers, strangers, friends, relatives praying for us so that today, this Mother's Day, we're in the house of the Lord. I'm thankful for our mother's obedience and I'm thankful for our mother's faithfulness. But this morning, I want us to give a big thank you to God. Because you see, it's God who pricked my mom to pray for me. It's God who picked some stranger who maybe doesn't even know you to pray for you because your name was given to them. God is the one we need to thank that we have had mothers and friends and strangers pray for us.
So if you are thankful today that God put you on someone's heart and through their prayers, you are now here today, I want us to give God an ovation of praise and thankfulness for doing that on our behalf. Never forget to celebrate what God has done on your behalf. Because you see, often when we pray, we get stuck on simply making requests related to our physical needs, neglecting to give proper attention to our spiritual health and strength. This morning, we're going to look in the book of Ephesians. And Paul prays twice in that book for the believers in Ephesus. Now, you need to understand, these believers in Ephesus were his spiritual children. He was their spiritual parent. And can I just encourage you as a family, you need to now start to get yourself ready to be spiritual parents of kids that God already knows are His in our community that we're not aware of. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, He is going to save people in our city and in our community that are going to need spiritual parents. Paul was a spiritual parent to the believers in the church in Ephesus. And when we look at the contents of his prayers, it's obvious that he didn't underestimate the importance of praying for their spiritual welfare. He prayed for their spiritual welfare. Like a good parent, he wanted the best for them. That meant praying that they would remain plugged in to the only real source of power for living consistent, effective lives as disciples of Jesus Christ. My prayer today is that God will encourage each of us, but especially moms and wives today, because I know how exhausted you are. I mentioned this morning that I don't think as a son I really ever understood and appreciated the sacrificial love of my mother, because that's just what moms do. Moms do the laundry. Moms buy the groceries. Moms prep the food. Moms keep the house stocked. Moms hide the stock that I want to get to as a teenage kid so she has it when she needs to bake, right? That hasn't changed even though I'm not married to my mom. Jen hides stuff I'm looking for. I know her in the house, but I can't find it. But I never appreciated what she did because that's what moms do. But now that my wife is a mom, that changes the perspective. I remember when Jen went to Greece to watch her brother in the Olympics, and she came back, and I said to her, I will never take you for granted again. I had no clue, and I have no idea how you do it. I remember two days before she was to come home, Natalie had an earache. Someone else, I can't remember what was wrong with the other kid, and I had, sent the, I had sent them to school with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I didn't know people have peanut allergies at school. <laughs> and in my desperation, I called out to my older sister in Pennsylvania, an experienced mom. And I said, Kelly, help. And here's what she said, Calvin. Well, actually, this is dangerous to tell you. 
You can't use it. They call me Calvi. So he says, she said, Calvi, go to the Christian bookstore and buy a video. Buy a video. Hadn't thought of it. We now have, I wish my, no, my, wish my nose was green. Is that right, Jason? I wish my nose was green. Let me tell you, that little video, God used it in miraculous ways, like bread and fish over the next 48 hours till Jen came home. But I couldn't believe it when she was away. And I said, I remember saying, how does Jen do it? At the end of the day, exhausted, how do you still have energy to play a game and a craft with them? So I know you're exhausted. And I pray today you will get some physical rest. Husbands, sons, daughters, make sure your mom doesn't work today. I had to confess this morning because we're going to my mom's for lunch. So Jason, you and I before God are committed to doing the dishes today. Sorry, buddy. (laughs) She won't do the dishes right? But I know you're exhausted and you will get physical rest, but God put a burden in my heart regarding this sermon. The strength of a mom to be able to do what she does is an inner strength. It's an inner strength. And I pray that God will spiritually rejuvenate and encourage you today in your inner being as we look at this prayer from the Apostle Paul. You see, in life in Ephesus at the time when Paul wrote this was similar, I think, to life today in the GTA. Because of its location, its strategic location, it was at the center of major trading routes, it had quickly become a very populous, booming, busy commercial center. And at the same time, it was very pagan and immoral. And with that backdrop, Paul, while he's in prison in Rome, writes this letter to his spiritual children in Ephesus, and he wants to encourage the believers there to embrace. Like we heard the song this morning, drink. Drink from this water and you'll be satisfied. You won't thirst again. Paul is writing to his spiritual children in Ephesus and he's saying, through this prayer, I want to encourage you to embrace all the resources available to you because you are a child of God. He makes four requests in this prayer we're going to look at. And each one highlights what I'm going to call a spiritual ingredient needed in all of our lives. And as we look at it, I want you to see each of these requests, not as individual separate requests, but it's a request that leads to the next, that leads to the next, that leads to the next, giving a clear picture at the end. Very similar to a telescope. Right? A telescope has to all be linked together in order to see the incredible vastness of galaxies and stars that God has created. You're not going to have that amazing picture if all you do is detach the eyepiece from that main shaft and look through the eyepiece. You look through the eyepiece, which takes you to the next lens, which takes you to the next, which eventually opens up the sky so you can be amazed. That's how I want you to look at these requests that he makes on behalf of his children in Ephesus this morning. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. And we'll begin in verse 14. This is Paul speaking. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. As I was reading this week, it was not common for people to pray on their knees. They prayed standing up. This just goes to show you the heart, the passion, the... The resolve he has to just plead on behalf of the Father that his children would experience this. Verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you 
with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What a prayer. What a prayer. The first ingredient that I see that he prays will be added to the lives of his spiritual children is strength. He says, I pray that out of the glorious riches he may strengthen you. And where is the strength sourced? It's sourced in God's glorious riches, which, folks, are unlimited. Unlimited resources are available. And that's where the strength comes from. I don't know how many of you have ever been disappointed when you go to a pop machine or you go to a store, you heard something there you really want is there, and you go and it's out of stock. They've run out. Well, when you go to your Heavenly Father looking for strength, you're going to the only unlimited resource stock warehouse in all creation. It does not run out. In fact, in Philippians 4.19, the Bible says, my God will meet all your needs. How? According to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So he wants them to be strengthened. The sources are the glorious riches of God. Strengthened with what? What does he want them to be strengthened with? Read your Bible. Power. He wants them to be strengthened with power. How? Through his spirit. One thing as I was preparing this, and I wasn't even thinking of going in this direction, but as I read it, I was just, this is a beautiful prayer how you see God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all work in our lives. Right? So he says, I pray that you'll be strengthened with power, and that comes through, it'll be available and made to you available through his Spirit. Now we know from Scripture, if you look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, talking about the Holy Spirit, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You see, the presence of the Holy Spirit is the true proof of salvation. But sometimes we forget that with His presence comes power. We love to teach and talk about the mark of the Holy Spirit identifying us as Christ. But you cannot separate his presence and power. They come together. In fact, Jesus himself carried out his ministry on earth in the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Luke 4.1 says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. And when he returned after being able to resist the temptation of the devil with the power of the Holy Spirit, it says in verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. What did he say to his disciples in Acts 1.8? Do you remember? You will receive power. 
when, his Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You see, this whole idea of making disciples is not a negotiable thing. It will happen if you are obedient and if we are faithful. He said we will be his witnesses. Why? Because we have his power. And how do we have his power? Through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And where is it he prays they'll have strength sourced in God's riches with power through the Spirit? Where is it? in their inner being, in their inner being. That's why I titled the sermon today, Soul Food. I pray that your inner being today will be strengthened so you can live for him and for his purposes. What do we know about our inner being? Our inner being is the spiritual component of our being. It's where the Holy Spirit resides. It's where he works sanctifying us, continually helping us to be more like Christ. We also know from Ephesians 2 verse 1, the Bible says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Before God graciously reached out to you and reached out to me with mercy and love, we were dead. Our inner being to God was dead. But thanks be to God for his love which we heard about this morning, and for the gift of faith to believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Because those of us who have accepted the amazing grace and mercy and love of God reached out towards us, have given us the gift of faith to believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, our dead inner being has been converted by His grace, love, and mercy and the gift of faith in Jesus to spiritually alive to God. If you're here this morning and you're like, what are you talking about? Listen closely to God this morning and what he's saying from his word. God loves you. God wants to take that empty, dead inner being and he wants to pour his love and grace and mercy into your life so that you can be spiritually alive. And then as the Spirit resides in our heart, He strengthens our inner being. We are then able to, we have power to then be able to surrender our own desires. You think we can just surrender our own desires and our own power? You think we can just come to our own decision? I'm going to not do what I want to do today. I'll do what God wants me to do. You can't do that in your own power. But when the Holy Spirit resides in you, and you're strengthened in your inner being, you're able to surrender your own desires, submitting rather to His will and His purposes for your lives. And by the way, this is not easy. This is not easy. But when we daily exercise our faith, living in trust and obedience to God, as you take that step of faith, you know what starts to happen? You start to get strengthened on the inside. You start to feel his power in your inner being. Do you remember when Jesus was on the Mount of Olives praying? Listen to what he said. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. How was he able to do that? The Spirit. He was able to surrender his will to his Father's will. We talk about that verse a lot, but I love verse 43. Do you know what verse 43 says? 
an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. You see that? He was wrestling. He surrendered to his father's will. An angel of the Lord appeared to him and strengthened him. Did it take away everything he was going through? No. Read verse 44. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Even in the middle of that dark moment of personal anguish, his inner being was being strengthened by God as he surrendered to the purpose of his Father. How do we grow in understanding the will of our Father? How is it that we're able to just go, I know this is what God wants us to do, God wants me to do? It's not rocket science. We make it too complicated. Get into his word. Talk to him. How, do I, how does Jen know what I like? I tear pictures out of magazines and I talk to her about it. Right? I talk to her. We talk. God wants to talk to you. You want to know his will? Get in his word. Talk to him. Listen to him. And then gather together with his children so that together, corporately, we can understand his will and spur one another on to love and good deeds. So he prayed that they'd be strengthened out of the glorious riches with power in their inner being so that what? Verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, wait a minute. Weren't they, didn't Christ already dwell in their hearts? Go back to chapter 1, verse 1. Look how he greets them. Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ. So what is he talking about here? Is he losing it? Did he forget they already are? Christ already does dwell in them? That word dwell communicates the concept of he longs for Christ to feel at home in their inner being. He's longing that Christ would feel at home in his children's heart. You know what it's like if you're invited over to someone's house and first time. It's great and, and you're polite but you probably, act, I know I act very differently if I'm invited to your house for the first time than when I leave here today and I go to my mom's house for lunch today. Say, my mom's house, I dwell. I, she knows what I love. I know what she likes. And we just have a good time dwelling together as family. This is what he's talking about. It's about a daily, growing, maturing, not a static, shallow, surface relationship with Jesus Christ that already resides in you. Through strengthening of your inner being and you're surrendering your will to him, he feels settled. He feels at home in your life. This is what he's communicating here. Now, the word dwell is the first of three verbs we will see here as we head into the second ingredient. So he prays for strength. But then he also prays that they will have depth. That they will have depth. There's two other verbs he uses. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Being rooted and established in love. So dwell, that God would dwell. He'd feel at home in your life. 
settled. But then that you would be rooted and you would also be established. Some versions might say grounded. Rooted obviously is talking about, you know, nature and established and grounded is from the building architect world. It's a foundation. So he's saying, I pray that you will be rooted and that you will be grounded. We all know that in order for a tree to grow, to gain strength and to have stability, its roots have to go deep and wide into the soil where the nutrients are. And we know for a house to stand, it needs a strong foundation. Well, just like that, you and I need to have deep spiritual roots. And we need to establish and build our lives on Christ. Rooted and established in love. Love is not the root or the foundation. Christ is. But love is the condition through which growth occurs. So be rooted and established in Christ. Then this culture of love will start to happen in your life. And what's consequence of God settling in your life, you being rooted and established in Him, you will start to love Him and others more. That's the byproduct of being rooted and established in Christ. You will love God and you will love others more. And we know from Scripture that love is both granted to us and it's also commanded to us. If you look in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, the Scripture says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured, poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So God hasn't just trickled his love on you. He has poured his love into you. And you experience it through the Holy Spirit. So love has been granted to you. But there's an expectation that comes with us, with that. If you turn with me to John chapter 13, Verse 34 and 35, the Bible says, A new command I give you, love one another. How? As I have loved you. So you must love one another. And then, folks, you know what? I was so convicted. I didn't even have it in my notes this morning. But as I read this verse this morning in the first service, we are being obedient and we are doing the right thing to equip ourselves and to train ourselves how to make disciples. But all of the effort we're putting into equipping one another to make disciples is going to be useless if we don't have love for one another. Because the Bible says in verse 35, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, it's not one or the other. It's both and. It's good that I know the circle of how to identify where a person is so that I know how God can use me to share new truth with them or share my life with them or give them an opportunity to grow through serving. That's important. That's important. But if that person I'm trying to reach sees that I don't love Ezekiel, this is, no, this is useless. It's going to have no effect. So it's both and. Yes, we need to equip ourselves. And yes, we need to learn. And we need to use the resources that God gives us. But folks, if we do not love one another... Nothing's going to get accomplished. So the consequences of someone who is in a deepening relationship with Jesus Christ will be love for God 
love for one another. Colossians 2, verse 7 says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in faith, as you are taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. That's why I'm so thankful this morning you participated with me and saying, Thank you, God. Thank you that you pricked someone's heart to pray for me. Wow, thank you. Do people in your life know that you overflow with thankfulness? I sure hope so. We need to grow in that area of giving thanks to God. As we strengthen our inner being, as we go deep in our relationship with Christ, here's what starts to happen. You begin to grasp, to apprehend the vast love of God. But that doesn't happen if these first pieces of the telescope aren't in place. He says he wants Christ to dwell in their hearts through faith, that they be rooted and established in love, so that, verse 18, you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp. So you can't do that if he's not rooted and established. If he doesn't feel at home in your life, you're not going to have the power to understand or appreciate the vastness of his love. And maybe that's why we're not being successful in disciple-making. Because we don't even appreciate or understand it. So my prayers, you'll be strengthened today. You'll be rooted and established so that you'll have the privilege because he'll give you the power to grasp. To grasp means to go beyond understanding, to make it your own. Evidence of a disciple of Jesus Christ who has come to grasp, to understand how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is, is very easy to see. They love God and they love others. It's, you don't have to take a long time to see that. When you have grasped the vastness of Christ's love for you, it shouldn't take long to identify that in you because you will love to serve God and you'll love to serve others. So if you're not serving God and loving Him, and I'm not serving others, I haven't grasped it. Have you grasped it? Have you gone beyond understanding it to owning it? That's my prayer for my kids. That's my biggest prayer as a dad. God, help them to own their love and appreciation and gratitude for you. Pour into your life your love and then help them to grasp it so that Jason will own it. And then evidence of him owning it will be, I will watch him and I'll see he loves God and he loves other people. A disciple who has grasped the vastness of Christ is committed to him. Why? Because of his love. Is changed by him. Why? Because of Christ's love. And is on mission with him. Why? Because of Christ's love. Rooted and established in Christ. A disciple who's making other disciples. So when we're strengthened in our inner being, through the Spirit, and we're rooted and established in love, our actions will reflect that. We have grasped the vastness of Christ's love. I love this last part. We will be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Wow. That's incredible. Just before that, there's an interesting statement in verse 19. He says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Well, that's a paradox. 
to know this love that surpasses knowledge, the knowing there is experiential. It's experiential. We will never be able to, in our finite minds, understand everything but we can experience. And he longs for us to experience so that we will be filled to the fullness of God. Fourth ingredient, fullness. Paul here is praying that they would experience the greatness of God in their lives, available to them through Christ, experienced in their lives through the Holy Spirit. If you look at Colossians 2, verse 9 and 10, the Bible says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. So we've been brought to the fullness of God through Christ, and now he's encouraging them, guys, there's so much available to you in God now that you've been brought to him through Christ, and I long for you to be able to experience all of God's amazing attributes, his love, his mercy, his power, his majesty, his wisdom, his patience. How many of you, when you go eat, love to feel full? Come on, be honest. Yeah, you love to be full. You don't want to pay all that money to be disappointed and leave hungry. I won't mention this person. I'll get in trouble. I did in the first service. But it's someone who married a brother of mine, so I guess that's narrowing it down. But we used to always joke around in university because when my brother and I would go over to their house before the two of us were married, we just hung out at my older brother's house on Sunday because it was like free food and football. And when you need a break from university studies, that's where we went. But God bless this person who married my brother. She just didn't make enough. She just didn't make enough. And we were always like, do we stop and get a burger before we go? Yeah, we better stop and get a burger before we go. So that you kind of had that layer happening, the foundation's there, so that when we eat what she puts, it just kind of completes it, right? But we, we want to feel full. Don't you long to experience the fullness of God in your life? It's a scary thought. It's a scary thought. But he invites us. Come, experience all of my attributes in your life that I've made available to you through my son, and now you're experiencing my power in your life through my Holy Spirit. He's encouraging the Gentile believers, his spiritual children, who are in a rat race of a life in Ephesus, to take full advantage of the resources available from God to them through Christ, channeled into their lives through the Holy Spirit. You see, folks, when these four ingredients strength, depth, grasping it, and fullness are in the mix of a believer's life. You will experience God's power that he intended for you to experience when he gave you his spirit as a mark that you belong to him. And what will happen in your daily life as you surrender to him and as you depend on him and as he settles in and as he feels more at home in your life because you're living in line with his will for your life, watch out. You'll be amazed at what he will do through your life. Earlier I was talking about the telescope. Like any tool, in order to utilize its full potential, you need to know how it works. 
by learning the different parts of a telescope and how they work together, you can get a better understanding and appreciation of the instrument that allows us to get up and close and personal with the stars. I pray that God, through his Holy Spirit and through his word this morning, has helped you to grasp a better understanding and a better appreciation of how he loves you, given you his son so that we might know him, given us the Holy Spirit so that we might experience his power so that you and I can get up close and personal with God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you have made available to us. Oh, man, we are so unworthy and undeserving of what you have done for us. Thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for modeling for us what it means to surrender your will to the Father. And God, thank you for being faithful to show us, even in your son's dark moment, you strengthened him so that he could endure what he was going through. And then thank you, Jesus, when you left us, you knew that the Father was going to send the Spirit. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you reside in us. And because of that, we can experience the power of God in our lives. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take full advantage. Strengthen us. Deepen our walk with you. Give us the power to grasp how vast your love is for us. Help us to be full of you, God, I pray. Amen. I challenged the first service this morning, do you believe what you just sang? Do you believe what you just sang? Does your family, your neighbors, and your coworkers know that? Would they be able to identify the power that is in you because of your love for God and your love for others? My encouragement to us as a congregation is we don't have to live weak, inconsistent lives. Look what has been made available to us. Grasp it. Make it your own for his glory and for his honor. Before I read the benediction, I want to encourage you this morning. If you're weak in your inner being and you're asking God, please strengthen me, please come and pray afterwards. That's the next step you need to do. You've got to make your next step before you even leave this facility. You need to come forward so that we can pray with you that through the Holy Spirit you'll experience God's power. If your inner being is dead, you can leave here today alive. You come pray. And then thirdly, if you're a child here this morning and you know family have been praying for you, to experience new life. Maybe today's the day you need to respond to God's power through the faithful prayer of family members. Come forward. Start a new chapter of your life today. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, 
To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless you.